Hey, welcome to the Happy Rant. Uh, this is Big R, Ronald J. Martin. Uh, the reason why you're not hearing Big T uh, is because I'm actually hosting the program today, and I'm going to be asking Big T some questions. And uh, Big T, you're there. You want to say hi to our uh, devoted listeners? Baby, I'm here, and it's so good to be here in the studio. How with does it you, feel? Man. And hello to our devoted listeners. How does it feel not hosting? Does it feel awkward to you right now? Is there something off about it to you? Or are you just relishing? Maybe it's in a the- little off. Okay. It's a little awkward, but I tell you, I'm kind of relishing the lack of responsibility. You know what I mean? I can just kind of sit back and enjoy this. Well, thing, it is baby. just such a. Well, you yeah. got us through you, it. It's just yeah. such a. It's such a major hat that you wear on this program. I mean, it's. Mm. I mean, it's. We're not just talking about like a normal level of responsibility here. We are. <laughs> This thing goes Baby. way wide. <laughs> Baby, listen to me, though. I, I don't want you to think of this as a burden, okay? I do it joyfully because I'm a pro, and we're, we're performers. We're in show business. Um, we, gotta, we get out of bed in the morning ready to, Absolutely. to do things like this. And I know, Baby, I know you feel comfortable on that side of the table, Absolutely. right? I mean, this is, yeah. this is old hat to old you. Hat. This, is, this is old, yeah, old hipster yarn hat to you. Yeah, it is. And I appreciate you know? that encouragement because this does bring us back to an earlier show that we did back in the day. I think we had our last yeah. we had our last show on November 3rd, 2011. It was a show called The Reformatory. I know we like to, <laughs> Baby, you remember the actual date? I know we that's, like to pitch that show whenever we get a, get an opportunity. We really do. Because there's some level well, of and you know what, there's, there's some level of nostalgia about that. I think I think there's something about that yeah. show that we're still kind of sad about. Maybe you know what the diehard fans, though, have been riding with us since the Reformatory. Absolutely. And I, and I bet there are listeners out there with, you know, Reformatory swag in their, in their basements, you know, just things, little artifacts, little, little things. Oh, all the away, products. Like, to remember all that the products kind of that we had all manufactured. The products, all the merch, you know, yeah, all the, all the merch deals that we had signed, um, you know, in the, in the business. Truthfully, both of us are still living off of a lot of that right now, if we're just going to be honest with our Dude, audience. Dude, we, we are. I mean, yeah. Yeah, all the residuals. Oh. You know, I don't want to I don't want to bore people with the business. It gets a little time. braggadocious. A, it, it gets a little braggadocious. It, it really does. It really does. But, hey, I it's want been, to uh, – uh, A good run. Yeah, it was a good run, and I want to uh, – by the way, uh, B-Pipe is not with us. He just decided that uh, today was not a day that was good for him to record and, and spend time with us, his yeah, friends yeah. – and uh, I don't know how you feel about that, but um, you know I'm not going to make a big deal about it. I'm not, I'm not going to. I'm not. I don't want to say anything bad about B Pipe, um, but but maybe we should talk about that a little bit and why it, it was good for him on this Wednesday, uh, Thursday afternoon, not not to not to join us on, on the podcast. Um, Baby, you know what? we have this uh, we have this saying in the football community: uh, "Next man up," and it's like. When somebody goes down with some horrific injury, like you don't you don't stand around and cry about it. Like you just grab another guy and 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 go and you know not to not to like impugn the memory of Pipe, but I mean that's that's really what we're doing on right. this it's program. Like he, we have radio to it's make. It's like he's an injured co-host to us right now. I mean that's he's an injured co-host, and we've just moved the drill a few yards down the field while he lays there. And I have no idea you know. what you just meant, but I think the equiv is yeah. that he's not here, and uh, we are we are made yeah. now to pick up the pieces. Of the of the brokenness that exists in in the absence of pipe and uh, dude we are and one of the pieces of brokenness is that you know Piper is our promo guy I know, I know. Uh, he's our he's our promotional guru he's the business guy on the podcast and uh, I feel like today that responsibility has fallen on my shoulders so Ron I want to I want to tell you about a product that yeah I've tell me what you got baby okay are you ready I'm ready um, it's it's called Ligaris Roasters interesting Coffee, and it's incredible because what happens is uh, when you buy Ligaris Roasters coffee, they send you a bag of beans, 
um, and then you grind them. You put them into a coffee maker with some water. The whole thing heats up, and then yeah, minutes later, you've got the most delicious cup of Lagaris Roasters Happy Ranch Signature Blend Coffee that you will ever ever taste in your life. Uh, it is wonderful stuff, and Lagaris uh, has has just finished. They've just inked. Um, a high-level business deal with us. We've kind of amended our contract, so to speak. Mm. And they are running a promotion. They're running a special holiday promotion uh, at LagarisRoasters.com. So when you check out, uh, when you hit, when you enter the words HAPPY20, so H-A-P-P-Y-2-0, HAPPY20, for a 20% discount on all your Lagaris Roasters products, uh, coffees, teas, uh, but the only one you're going to want to get really is the Happy Ranch Signature Blend. That's the one with our mm. logo on it. And it's the only coffee I ever drink, baby. It's a wonderful product. I'm so happy to be um, in business. I'm happy to be a coffee tycoon with Hector Ligaris. Um You have no idea. I mean, you do, have, you do have an idea. The listeners, I guess, have no idea how that feels to – to roll out of bed in the morning and look at yourself in the mirror and go, you know what? I'm in the coffee business. Yeah, I'm don't. a coffee it's, tycoon. It's, yeah, they, they have really yeah. not, not a lot of conception of what that must feel like to somebody like yourself. But um, That's amazing. But, baby, you know what? I appreciate that <laughs> promo, and, it, and it, makes me, uh, mm-hmm. it makes me a little nostalgic for B-Pipe, knowing that he is the promo king. Mm-hmm. But I got to tell you, I, mm-hmm. I, I think you just pulled it off. I, 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 think, yeah. I, think, I think people are, are on the Lagaris Roaster site now clicking off some new coffee purchases because that mm. was a that was a pro that was not a that was not a pipe a plus promo it's not a pipe level. right no but, I, but I mean, i'm gonna give it a you know i'm gonna give it a solid b plus a minus yeah. it was good you know what they called him back in back in minneapolis on the streets they called him the promo kid the promo kid that's right now he's the promo king yeah. but back then he was the promo right. kid who wrote a book that's called right. the uh, i right. think called the pastor's kid right is it something like that the, pa- the pastor's promo the kid. pastor's yeah, promo that kid was, that was kind of the working title. yeah that was the working yeah. right that's that's good well, baby, um, I'm excited today because um, this always brings back a lot of nostalgia. It's Christmas time, mm-hmm. so I, I'm in a very oh. nostalgic mood as I get around this time. As our listeners know, um, I just want to be. Yeah, can I just be the Christmas guy? I think is what I brought up in the last uh, in the last Ronnie part. Christmas. Yeah, yeah, Father Christmas. That's right. So we're uh, we're we're angling for that for you as a as a career move. Have you? Have you gotten any like reach out from the the Christian publishing community, the star makers? Um, has anyone been in contact with you about no, and, unfortunately, um, kind of becoming the official Christmas face of Evangelical? I have not. I've not gotten any offers, any any firm offers. Mm. I'm hoping to get some, at least some meetings on the table. I'm hope I'm hoping that's actually that's kind of what I'm hoping our boy B Pipe is doing right now, since he's not with us. I hope Dude, he's, he's doing some work. Finishing up a deal right, exactly. right now. Yeah, that's yeah, that's the hope. That's the hope. Yeah, that. That's how I prefer to think of it. Absolutely. I'm but, sure um, that's what he's doing. But having said that, you know, going back to nostalgia, I'm thinking about some of our early days when we had our own program called The Reformatory. And I'm thinking actually more mm. specifically, baby, about some of the ways that we kind of came in contact with one another. And uh, something we were talking mm-hmm. about off the air, it was interesting that what most people don't know is that when me and you met and uh, you had just finished, uh, you know, writing a couple of books with 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 this less, mm-hmm. lesser known you know author that we sometimes mention on the program i can't frankly remember his yeah. name at this point but um nice kid nice though. kid you know, he was a nice kid, kid and he he uh, he uh, he's gonna go far he gave it a good you know, college I, I try felt... with those titles but you were the one yeah. that actually you know emerged from that and uh 
ended up, you know, prolonging your career a little bit. But but I remember when we first. Well, I mean, who's who's hosting the happy rant right now? It's not him. <laughs> Correct. You know. Correct. I mean, it's actually you today. It's not. It's even not even me, you. But, I know. So uh, I'm I'm living yeah. out a. He's not even on the. Program. Living out a dream right now, hosting the uh, the rant. But I was thinking about, it's interesting because I was thinking about a couple of different things here. And I was thinking about when we first connected, both of us were sort of in transition. And we were, I was stepping into pastoral ministry. You had written a couple of books. You were, uh, you'd become an adjunct professor. And both of us, things were sort of stirring in, in uh, in the pots of our lives in ways that we really couldn't anticipate what was next, although some of that groundwork was being laid. So so what I thought was that I wanted to talk to you, baby, about this idea of 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 dreams. And and given just sort of the, mm. the season that we're in and the high nostalgia of the season we're in, being that it's Christmas, I want to talk to you a little mm. bit about um what your life was like um in some of your early years, what you thought you were going to do the direction you thought your life was going to be going in. And then sort of some of the ways that that, 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 that materialized some of the ways that didn't materialize. And so I I want to get sort of the storyline of big T today. I want, I want our listeners to get a sense Mm. of where you came from, where you ended up, and then to talk about some of the things that both of us have talked about in private, which is some of the disappointments that come along with realizing certain things not realizing other things, and then how it just seems like life morphs into um, a place that you were never anticipating, and then what 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 that's like uh, trying to deal with yeah. it as you get into uh, into middle age and you look back and you 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 still wonder maybe what what might have been mm-hmm. you know so so take us yeah. take us through an early trip through through Big T's life and some of the things that and you thought some places you thought you were going and that maybe you even you dipped your toe in and then ended up being different later. But what were some of those early dreams and and ambitions? Yeah, baby. So I I have to tell you a great question, by the way. Um, When I was a kid, like I was a full-time dreamer Mm. and I, you know, all kidding aside, all like ironic haha stuff aside, that's the single biggest thing that I miss about being young. Mm. Um, I, I miss the dreaming. You know, because it was really, really fun to imagine, you know, all these different scenarios and all these things happening. And and that's not to say that I'm in any way dissatisfied with my life now. I mean, I'm really exceedingly grateful for where the Lord's put Mm. us here in in Jackson, Tennessee and working at Union and still writing and doing the show and, you know, all the other things. But yeah, when I was a kid, I think that just the sense of like life being this wide open blank canvas. And I, I used to literally like one of the, one of my favorite things to do. So my pops, uh, pops was a football player and a football coach when I was young. And he had mm. in his closet, like way back in the back corner, he had like some of his old jerseys from college. And I would, I would get out. This is when I was like, you know, first grade or whatever. I, I would get out these jerseys and I would lay them on the floor and I'd literally just sit in this rocking chair and listen to music and like dream about being a football player like Pops. <laughs> nice, you know? nice. And it was like, yeah, it was like the funnest thing to do, you know. So when I get when I get nostalgic, I often get nostalgic for stuff like that. Not not even so much the activity, but just the way it felt. You know what I mean? Because baby, let me let me um, insert something to, here because you said something really important, yeah. and this is where I feel like we have a lot of commonality. Because at the end of the day. What you what you best remember about the things you wanted to do was the wanting to do them even more than the doing of them. 
right? Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. And, yeah, that's so true. And I mean, honestly, I got to do a lot of them. Right. You know, I, I got to play a little college football and I got to play some after college. And, you know, by God's grace, he's allowed me to, you know, be able to taste a little bit of what I dreamed about back then. Although he definitely like disabused me of the the idol of football and even the idol of my dreams, mm. to be honest, because I think... You know, for me, dreaming, planning, um, chasing, you know, going after things, a lot of that big R was about my own vanity. Yeah. yeah. You know, at the end of the day, there was there was a lot of vanity. There was a lot of selfish conceit and vain ambition in in a lot of those dreams. So while at one level I miss how fun they were, on another level I don't miss, you know, the, the arrogance and the self-centeredness and just kind of the, um, you know, the... Just, just that whole motif, you know, and how off-putting that must have been to other people in my life. So um, I'm thankful the Lord uh, broke me of some of those idols, but I do miss, um, you know, I, I miss the vastness of the possibilities, I guess, if that's a, a way to well, say yeah, it. But yeah, yeah, where yeah. I grew up, where I grew up, man, nobody really read. Uh, it was a very blue-collar, rough little little town in east-central Indiana, uh, very blue-collar. Uh, it's really taken a dive in the last 20 years just as... Mm. A lot of the industry has gone overseas. I mean, the the, the town is really like a, a welfare state now. Um, but yeah, I mean, back then, nobody really read, nobody really wrote, nobody really cared about school. So the whole idea of like writing vocationally, teaching at a college, I mean, these were all not even a flicker in my eye back then. Mm. I mean, I could have never envisioned the life that uh, that the that the Lord had for me in the future yeah. and. And yeah, just super thankful for it, man. It's been, it's been better than I could have imagined, to be honest. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's a, I think that's a great point. I appreciate the optimism too, um, because I think mm -hmm. what what happens is is that we can. I mean, I know that I I know that I have the tendency to rose color a lot of things, you know, when I when I look yeah. in the past. Yeah. But I thought it was so mm -hmm. interesting how you mentioned this idea of. Um, you know, being able to dream about the future. Here's my question for you. As you've gotten older, yeah. as you've hit your 40s, um, do, you find, mm. do you find it harder to, um, in a healthy way at least, dream about the future since now there's a sense where your, your future is a little more set and locked down than it used yeah. to be? And does that make, does that make some things do – you, do you become disillusioned a little more quicker now as a result of that at times? Dude, it's funny. It's actually the opposite in that. So to answer your first question, no, I, I don't. I don't dream anymore. You know, I really don't have these experiences where I'm I'm driving around in the car, listening to music, dreaming up the next thing, mm. loading it up with all these huge expectations. Because I think that's what that's what was kind of part and parcel with the big dreams was also like I had huge expectations yeah, for yeah. you know the next trip, the next book deal, the next whatever, whatever. And then invariably something about the experience would like fail to live up to the dream. And then I would get disillusioned. So yeah, I think the, I think the positive byproduct of not dreaming a whole lot anymore is, you know, I'm, I'm less up and down. I think I'm a little more even keel emotionally, mm. which is like another by God's grace thing, you know, because that, that wasn't always the case. I used to be real up and down, but um, yeah, I think, the, I think the last big, dreaming moment and i'm sitting here in my office looking at uh a poster from this so like five or six years ago uh over one winter kk and i and the kids moved to uh, we moved to france for a little while yeah. 
Uh, so I could I could play and coach football over there. And that was kind of the last big dream type adventure. You know, that was one that I had been scheming up for like a year and a half before it popped. Um, and that one, again, by God's grace, it was it was beautiful, man. It was like a dream, you know, being over there with her, with the boys, having been through already some rough stuff in our lives and in our marriage. And France just felt like a, it felt like the last big adventure, Mm. you know, it felt like the last, you know, kind of hurrah from our childhood. And then shortly after that, I got this job and, uh, have kind of settled down, you know, and there, there are no kind of huge grand adventures on the horizon, but, uh, but that's okay, man. It's definitely okay. Yeah, tell, explain to our listeners, we used to talk about this a lot back in the old days, and um, mm-hmm. we used to talk about some of the angst and some of, some of the yeah. disappointment. And so obviously, we, you know, we have listeners that are coming from all these different ages, different life stages, yeah. different seasons. We probably have a lot of like early, early married couples that are sort of battling yeah. you know, yeah. early parenthood and you know, early career development yep. and all those kinds of things. So you get, which is no picnic, which is no picnic, way, but no you picnic. get, you get a little further beyond that. And you do sort of uh, experience a little bit of, of settledness. You, ha- you have a little mm-hmm. bit more of a realistic um, take on the world. Um, but at the yeah. same time, um, some of the early angst and disappointments you have, they can easily make you, you know, cynical, right. About, about, or yeah. even, or oh, even yeah. being afraid to dream too far into the future because you don't want to experience that disappointment. So you, you kind of, you kind of, you kind of develop and opt out into this sense of cynicism. And we see that, at least I see that with a lot of guys that are, that are our age where they just, they, yeah. they've sort of settled into this groove that doesn't even allow God to maybe surprise them anymore. How, how do yeah. we, yeah. how do we guard against, against that? Dude, I definitely used to be like that. So, like, cynicism was a huge sin deal for mm. me um, early in the writing career because, you know, I was arrogant. I probably had an overinflated sense of how good I actually was. Mm. So, as a result of that, like, I had this, I had these huge expectations of my career going in a certain way. And and now, as I look back on it, like. Dude, the career has been way better than what I've deserved, you know, in every way. But back then I thought I deserve more and I'm cynical because things haven't broken the way I've wanted them to break. Uh, I was resentful of other people. And and honest to gosh, man, this is not a it, it's not a sexy or nuanced answer. But yeah. the 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 answer to that for me was like confessing it out loud and apologizing to a whole bunch of people, which was really awkward and painful. Um, But it's been, I mean, it's been the the very thing that's been a check against falling into that again. And so kind of concurrent with that, like repentance moment, um, I, I think it's just a lot of prayer. And what you pray for is Lord, give me eyes to see the good things, the blessings, the gifts, um, and guard my heart against, you know, becoming like the old, the old me, you yeah. know, the old cynical yeah, yeah. me from 10 years ago, which was like really not fun for me and not fun for the other people in my life, you know? So I do, I, I do feel fully forgiven for that, but I also still have massive regret over it that I think acts as a little bit of a hedge against it happening again. If that Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I think, I think you bring up this really interesting point that, I, that I've been actually thinking a lot about. And I think one of the things that getting older does 
is it sort of, it, it can, it doesn't always have to do this, but again, by God's grace. And if you do become somebody who is a little more reflective and a little more, uh, become, you become a little more self-aware of, of your sin. Um, one of the things mm-hmm. that, that God does, it seems to do as we, as we become more sanctified is he just, he gives us this like ever increasing level of thankfulness for the things that mm. we do have. Because again, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you, in you know, youthful exuberance what's included in that is like the sense of entitlement right like i i didn't get everything i wanted and the things i did get were not exactly how i wanted them so therefore i'm gonna walk around with a chip on my shoulder and then as you get older you look around you or you look behind you and you you start to think you start to see yourself for who you really are which is like dude i'm not like i'm not the most talent you know i'm not the most talented guy that ever walked the face yeah. of the earth so given even what i have <laughs> exactly. is almost phenomenal exactly. that i even have what i have oh it is right? dude dude it is it's mind blowing man and and for me like every time i go back to my hometown i i i drive by my high school and sometimes i even go in yeah. like i'll go and watch a basketball game or watch a football game or whatever and i just think there were 100 people in my graduating class who deserve this more than me, (laughs) you know, who, who like studied harder, loved reading more than me. I, you know, just really good gifted people. And, and for some reason the Lord has let me do all this, but it's funny, man. Like we, we definitely like play at being cynical on the show and and we have ha ha's about it. But, um, like by God's grace, I'm really happy for, you know, friends of mine in the industry who are getting to do stuff. And it's just so much better to live that way, you know? Um, Whereas a decade ago, I was low key resentful when like friends would, (laughs) friends would pop in the industry and their, and their books would get published or whatever. So um, this is a, this is a much better way to live. And I regret that it took me so long to, to get here, but um, I'm glad for it. Yeah, for sure. No, I can, I can, I mean, no, having known you for what has it been eight years now? I mean, I can I can yeah. sense that that sort of emanates yeah. from you now, and I, I think I, I hope it does from mm-hmm. me as well. To where we're yeah, most we definitely. can we can actually have like attitudes and hearts that are a little more celebratory of not just one another yeah. because I, I've always been happy for you for anything that's that's popped for oh, you. For but sure, I, but even looking out, which is one of the things that we used to do all the time as a way that we connected as a yeah. way that was funny for us. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. what we like doing. Yeah. Um, and what people probably don't know or they get a sense of it from the from the the broadcast is that we we really like we really like doing commentary on other people especially people who are doing the same things <laughs> as us but have either oh, dude, a, yeah. achieved a different kind of success or 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 more success and so we we love we love sort of like talking for hours upon hours about things that other people are doing that are so close to what we're doing but but in a different yeah. way we dig that right well, dude, it's 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 our industry's brand of like water cooler gossip. You know what right. I mean? And for two guys who are basically like somewhat independent and like hermity, you know, when we when we met each other, we were both freelance. You know, we were both like, you know, in our in our little respective yeah. silos, like making our stuff. And you know, to be able to come together and like chop it up about guys in our industry like many of whom i've never even met in person you know it's just funny it's a release you know it's funny to to get together and have some some ha-has over you know this person or that person's online presence or their last book or whatever and um i don't think it it, i don't think it was done out of a place of mean-spiritedness but it's just kind of a release you know because you're going through all this stuff in private as a writer 
Um, it's good to get with somebody else who understands a little bit of what that grind is like and dealing with editors and dealing with publishers and um, just the uniqueness of that. It's nice to know other people who have been through it. Yeah, and I think one of the funny, I mean, I think one of the things that really connected us to um, was that, uh, man, we have a, we've had just countless hours of like good times together. Um, just being able to yeah. look at the seriousness of, you know, you look, you look at sort of the scene or the tribe that we're in, which is obviously, you know, yeah. this, this reformed yeah. end of things, which again, what people don't seem to understand is the reason, you know, what we're doing when we're making fun of a lot of these guys is we're making fun of ourselves because we are squarely in it. Yeah. And um, that makes it all Absolutely. the more funny because we're not saying we're stepped at, we're not, we're not saying that we're on the outside of it looking in going, Hey, you guys need to change or this is ridiculous. So we're, yeah. we're, we're sort of, we're associating ourselves with it saying, no, 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 it's ridiculous as are we. Right. And yeah, uh, but yeah, one of the things absolutely. we love doing is we love sort of stepping back, at least in the tribe and going, oh, my gosh, like some of these things that characterize it and some of the some of the ways that people aren't able to like laugh at themselves is so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. And so Dude, that's how we started. Just sort of like our, our brand of haha was just to look at some of these things and go, wait, are you seeing what I'm seeing? And when you looked at me, I was like, baby, I'm seeing it. Are you seeing it? And you're like, I am. And we were kind of like, no way. Like, we're both seeing this. Dude, and honestly, I think back then, like 10 years ago or whenever that was, like our tribe needed that. Like nobody was doing that. Everybody was just like super serious, super earnest, super self-congratulatory like super like hey i've got theology figured out everybody listen to me and it was it was off-putting it was so distasteful <laughs> so to find like somebody else who rolled that way theologically which we do like i, I still I, to this day i roll that way theologically but right. you know it's been really healthy i think and, and you and i have kind of you know via this show but also via some of our writing like carved out a a little bit of a niche in the marketplace hopefully as as being guys who can who can take a look at reform them and laugh at it from time to time. Because man, I tell you, there's no shortage of things to laugh at. Even, uh, I, I thought of you the other night, man, we were, we were at our church, which we love, man. We absolutely love yeah. our church. And every year they do this, um, this thing like this Christmas deal. You would love it actually. Yeah. So there's this dude in, in Nashville named Andrew Peterson. And oh, he's yeah. sort of I've like, yeah. I don't know. He, he writes like novels about like gremlins and warlocks and I don't know, like, sort of C.S. Lewis-y type stuff or whatever. Um, but he also, he wrote this like Christmas musical called Behold the Lamb. Oh yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah. And everybody down here, man, they all go crazy about Behold the Lamb and they all want to go see like him do it at the Ryman in Nashville or whatever. But um, our church does it. You know, they do they do Behold the Lamb every Christmas. And um, the, guy, the guy who does it from our church is like one of my best friends down here. He's a great dude, super talented musician and um, he always does an amazing job, but, but I was busting his chops the other day because before Behold the Lamb, so it's, it's Sunday night, so you've already been through like the two hours of church in the morning, right. and so everybody like piles back into the church on Sunday night, and you know I'm expecting to just sit down and be entertained and have this great concert. Dude, but before that, we had to do the obligatory like stand there for 15 minutes and sing the three hymns together at a dirge pace, you know? <laughs> so we had to do the three dirgy, like reformed hymns before the performance, before we could sit down and like relax like a gentleman and hear the performance. And I was just like, I don't get it. Cause baby, we, we can never just go to a church it. event and just have it begin. We always have to sing. No. Yeah, no, it can't just start. Like nothing thing, can ever the, start the concert. 
Nothing can ever start. Dude, it's amazing. Like, we've got to preface it. It's amazing church services ever end since technically they never start. Dude, seriously, we got to preface it by standing for 15 minutes, bare men. Oh, you absolutely. Um, but it's funny, man. And, and and so my kids go to this school, this classical school, that's kind of like helmed by humorless reformed guys kind of kind of run the absolutely. place or whatever. I would and, expect uh, nothing less. So Exactly. So they... They took the kids to this Christmas concert on our campus. It was like a field trip. And I, apparently when they got back to school, like one of the teachers spent like a half hour deconstructing like everything that was wrong about the concert and why it wasn't serious enough. Wow. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, man, let's just take the fun out of everything. Why don't we? You know, uh, but that's reformed them. That's reformed them in a nutshell. And And yeah, baby, when I met you, it was a really fun moment of like finding somebody else who was who had like the equipment to laugh about it. Yeah. Baby, here's my question to you. If there was if there was one yeah. thing, and maybe you just answered it, but I'm going to ask it anyway. If there was yeah. one thing when you when you back up and you sort of look at the mm-hmm. state of reformdom right now. I have a couple questions for you. Um and maybe these are too broad, yeah. but you can answer the best you can. So when you when Baby, they're going to be great. When you step back and you look at the state of reformdom, mm-hmm. I I I want I want you to give a bit of a hot take on just kind of your yeah. on kind of what you're thinking right now. You know, it's kind of it's really leveled out, you know, um, in yeah. terms of, um, you know, sort of that just the, the just that hyper conference scene we saw six or seven years ago. That's yeah, mellowed yeah. out a little bit, even though there's a lot of conferences. But, you know, even the even the you know, when I talk to guys and a lot of pastors, man, no, nobody's going to every one of these things anymore. Everybody's kind of pulled back on a lot sure. of this stuff. And um, just yeah, just, yeah. Sort, just sort of the 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 place where you see reformed them is at. Uh, and, and where it's going. And then secondly, um, what are some things, you know, given, you know, you writing emergent 10 years ago, mm-hmm. coming up to the 10 year anniversary, mm-hmm. probably of that. And just some of the mm-hmm. trends that you just notice, wh- whether it's, whether it's, whether it's on purpose because you've done some research or just, just, just some things that, that are like impressionistic to you. What do you think would be something that you, if if you could sit, if you could sit like at a, if you could sit at like a TGC council meeting, like what, like what would you suggest? Like what would be, what would be like one or two suggestions in moving this whole tribe and this movement forward in some healthy yeah, way? So yeah. where do you think it's at now? And what, what would be a couple of things where you'd say, guys, I, I just really think we, we need to progress in, into this particular area. Baby, I would never sit at a TGC council <laughs> meeting. You know that I'd be, I'd be busy like eBaying like football jerseys on my, on my phone at, at that time. But, uh, but no, that's good, man. And and wow, are you are you going to be involved in any of the the pageantry for the ten year anniversary of why we're not emergent? I mean, are they? Do you know of a, like a parade or anything there in a town that they're going to do to commemorate? Yeah, I mean, I'm, they they actually they um, actually just asked me if I'd like to put something together. So we're, we're having a lot of talks about yeah, like, you know, know it's a lot of high level stuff. I mean, it's it would it would mean a lot to me if you would if you would show out for something. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I would, wouldn't even, but no good questions, baby. Good, serious questions. And, um, yeah, I mean, to the, to the first one. Okay. So here's, here's kind of where I see it going. And we're like, how, how deep are we into the reform movement? Like a decade of this being like a brand, yeah, the new, like a the new reform movement. Yeah. I mean, dude, we're at least yeah. 12, 13 years. We're over a decade. into. Yeah. It. I was going to yeah. say 10 to 15 years of it being like its own brand. And, Dude, here, here's where I see kind of a shift taking place. So for me, you know, five, eight years ago, reformed people were like the apex mountain of smugness. <laughs> like if, if you wanted to find a smug person, like you would go to a PCA church or a, or like a reformed Baptist church or whatever five to eight years ago. And, and 
you were just swimming in in smugness, you know, and self satisfied. Kind of, we've got this figured out. And it's funny where I see, I feel like smugness is migrating from the reform church to like the looking church. Wow. So I I feel like it going that way, and and this is a good development for us, right? I mean, I think I think for our tribe, disabusing ourselves of some of that smugness and some of that sense of you know, we've got this whole thing figured out. Like that's been a good development mm. and that was distasteful. And it was, you know, not a thing that I, I don't think it, you and I were never excited about that part of the movement. So, um, mm. but, but I, I, I sense that going to sort of like a, you know, a, a smells and bells kind of high church sensory. Um, like we got an church here in town. That's like really popping, you know, and it's popping with, with all the people who who had that like I'm a Christian but dot dot totally. dot sort of motif. Totally. You know, I'm a Christian, but here are like nine ways in which I'm too cool for Christianity. Right. Um, you know, that's that's kind of shifting across the street more in that direction. And, because it's uh, more of like this and, we want like we're we want it to be more high church and the robes and all the kind of the, the Dude, it's high church and it t- it tends to kind of lean lean left politically, right. which you know, kind of it, at this point in our culture goes hand in hand with, with yeah, just sort of that anti feeling or whatever. So um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, th- I think keeping the theology, but losing the smugness is going to be a really good development for our tribe. And, uh, and I, and I guess that's it. That's the, that's the hot take, you know? So, um, and I, I don't know what that means for the business side of the tribe. Like, I don't know if the, you know, if the conference circuit continues to get smaller, for your sake, I hope it doesn't, baby. I hope you've got a, a full schedule, full slate of conferences to go to every year if you, if you want. I appreciate the concern. But, um, That's nice. Yeah, no problem, baby. No problem. Um, we, we really should have our own conf. I mean, the Happy Ranch should have a – we shouldn't just do a live event. It should, it be, should a be a conference. We've like, talked about that be, many times. I know. We've, we've talked about Yeah, there needs times. to be a hotel involved. Absolutely. There needs to be some food. It's, yeah. it's got to be the whole yeah, deal. Yeah, we'll continue but, uh, We'll continue to suss that out, baby. I mean, there's, I mean, that we're not yeah. precluding that ever. It's just a matter of timing and what, you know, thematically where we want to go with the conference and, you know, how are we going to, yeah. how are we going to yeah. separate ourselves from the, uh, the multitude of conferences that are continuing to exactly. be invented exactly. every year. Um, baby, here's what I would say though, in the, in the, the TGC like advisory board planning. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, this is even more hot takey than the last thing. Um, I would I would encourage everybody to just take a year off of their personas. <laughs> so no social media for a year, no blogging, no TGC articles, no like no persona work for a year and just see like what happens in your life and in your ministry as a result. Okay, baby, that's fascinating. Think, that's fascinating. Yeah, I think the results would be positive, man. I, again, I don't know. I'm not like a prophet, but I think it would be really healthy for everybody to just take a big time out on persona. Okay, here's a serious question that's not going to sound serious, but I want you to answer it yeah, yeah. as seriously as you can and, and get, get, think about sure. it for like four seconds. What, yeah. what do you think would happen if everybody, all, including you, all 125 yeah. people on Jared C.'s most influential <laughs> reformed list, what do you think would happen if every one of them got together and committed to taking a... 12 month sabbatical from social media. What do you think would happen in that 12 months if every one of those guys took that time off? Dude, I, I, I honestly, 
All kidding aside, 0% snark or sarcasm in this answer. Like, I really think it would be a wonderful, like, life-changing. It's a wonderful Ministry-shaping moment. It would be. Like, I think their churches would be better and healthier. Their families would be healthier. They'd spend more time with their wives. You you know, these reform guys, man, they like to sire 12 children and then never see them. But, uh, you know, I mean, I... I think it would give more margin and more time for rest. It, it would be healthier. Like, I just think it would be way better. Um, and I, I wish people would do it, to be honest. Can you imagine like, I, just I all those could be a real all those Twitter updates from all these guys? Imagine those just, like, ceasing. Dude, yeah. Um, it, it's not hard for me to imagine because I don't see it. Right, because you're already great. off. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm already off. But, like, I don't know. Like, you would spend less time comparing yourself to other pastors and other speakers and other authors and, you know, less time having to, to curate and update. And it would, it would be really good. Maybe would you go so I, far? I think it would be really good. Would you go so far as to say, and again, now, now we're, now we're, we're treading into some deep waters. Now, if that were to yeah. happen, if every one of those guys took a 12 month sabbat from social media, mm-hmm. do you think that, do you think that reformed them as at least not in whole, but in part, at least in the areas that yeah. those people are serving and having influence? Do you think that we would see, wait for it. Do you think we would see uh, this idea of, of mission and evangelism sort of like um, increase a little bit? Yeah. I, I, or is I that do. too broad? Because I, I don't think know. It would free up. Yeah. I mean, it, it's funny. So in the beginning of reformed them as a brand, I think the super, the super hardcore kind of like straight edge reform folks were like low key disdainful of evangelism and evangelism was sort of like how many how many kids can you produce like that's your evangelism <laughs> you know like you've created 12 believers you know and as soon as you have them sprinkled when they're you know 7 days old then then they're cuz you're describing presbyterians and, which are real reformed people dude yeah but but the attitude was always kind of you know, kind of smug and dismissive, I think, about evangelism. But I think, um, yeah, if we if we had all that time that we weren't devoting to image curation and we could devote it to just knowing people, yeah. um, you know, knowing our neighbors, knowing people in our communities, like getting involved in like even just one other thing, you know, if you if you took on like one new thing in your community um, and kind of used it to replace your your social media life i think the results could be amazing i really do and there would be fewer conferences fewer books and that's fine everything has been said before you know every book has been written uh every everything has been said before like it would be a-okay to just everybody step away for a year i think it'd be awesome maybe that's fascinating speaking of uh of books that have already been written what yeah. what do you have in your pipeline of books you are writing right now that have already been written. Anything, anything we can. Yeah, dude. So I've, I've got three actually. So I've got a a journalism textbook that I've written that I'm going to be using in all my classes in the spring. Baby Uh, suss that out a little bit. What is that? What's the title of it? Yeah, dude, it's called art and formula. So the idea being that like half of journalism is formula. So you can you can learn to write a news story. You can learn to write a press release. You can learn to do all this kind of formulaic journalism stuff. Um, and that's fine and that's important and you can use that to be employable. But um, the, the greater half of journalism is mm. art. And it's intangible things that you can't necessarily fully teach people. But 
Um, so half the, half the book is devoted to that stuff. Um, the long interview, the personal essay, creative nonfiction, the stuff that really makes you special and kind of gives you um, a name or a brand in the writing mm-hmm. game. So half the book is devoted to that. The other half is devoted to kind of the formulaic side. And uh, I'm excited about it. The publisher is Kendall Hunt. Um, mm. They approached me a while ago about doing it, and I said yes. And um, I, I can tell you that it was the least fun writing project I've ever had. <laughs> like, writing a textbook is, is is not super fun, but, like, yeah, not a lot of enjoyment. I wanted to make it... I wanted to make it a fun read for my students, and I wanted to kind of de-textbook it a little bit. Like, the the textbook racket is unbelievable in that the books are all, like, 200 pages longer than oh, they baby. Um, they're They're completely insufferable in terms of actual readability. So, baby, I had a, con- um, I had I a convo kinda- about that last night with some colleagues, and they asked me about some particular textbooks that I, that I had to read. Yeah. And I was like, you guys, it, it is literally, like, torture trying to get through these things dude, yeah it's like taking a beat it is it's like dude, right? it's, it's like i mean dude even like if, if one of them even occasionally i don't know man got crazy and told a story or had even like a yeah. like just even the slightest like like bit of the humor. slightest like flicker of humanity yeah, anything, you know yeah anything they feel like death exactly. they're, they're like death every time so dude so so this is a funny story about the textbook so uh i was working on it this summer i was sitting in um this little like cafe that we have on our campus and um, a friend of mine walked in, and this friend is like, he's ex-military. He's kind of grizzled, but he's the head of like campus security oh, yeah. at Union at our school. And uh, he's like, "Hey, what are you working on?" And I'm like, uh, "Oh, I'm doing this this textbook for my my journalism classes." And he looks at me and he goes, "What are you doing that for?" <laughs> um, and I said, "What What do you mean? You know, I got a I guess real just, valid question. If we're being honest, man. yeah, it is a really valid question. It kind of stopped me in my tracks. And I guess I was like, well, I don't know, like ego, or, or so the kids could have a good textbook to use. And he goes, he looks at me and he goes, you know, uh, he goes, academics hate everything. And I'm like, Judas, you're right, yeah, they do. Yeah. So this is the worst project because." Uh, if there's one thing that professors can do, it's deconstruct things, and they and they do hate everything that isn't theirs. So I look forward to lots of hatred when the textbook comes out. Uh, so that's one nice. thing. But I've got um, another super joyful one, super fun one. Uh, so I, I did this graphic novel with Harvest yeah. House uh, last year called The Extraordinary Life of a Mediocre Jock. Um, little graphic novel intended for like middle school age readers, mm-hmm. and uh, they they contracted me for another nice. one. Uh, this one is called Theater Kids, so it's about theater. And, oh, baby, uh, I can't wait last, to read man. that. Like, so, like the is this yeah. like the just the the total like typical like how we think of it, theater kid from high school kind of a thing, dude. Totally, man. Totally, yeah, yeah. And uh, so my lady was uh, she was in theater back in nice, the day. Double K. She was a little theater hottie, so she she kind of gave me some insight. And and my kid Tristan, believe it or not, like the the big strapping jock. Tristan was actually he was the lead in a Shakespeare play wow. last year at his school. So he goes to this he goes to this super nerdy, you know, classical school and they only ever do Shakespeare. Of course. Like they've they've tried to do they've had people like propose modern plays and they always get like shot down <laughs> by the board. because uh, it's always Shakespeare and and the deal with Shakespeare is you you sit there for 2 hours literally having no idea what the h is going oh, absolutely. on like nobody yeah, knows absolutely nobody in the audience has a clue and they're probably like they're probably doing on. them in latin because they have to because they're a classical school right so it, oh dude yeah so and then you get to the end and either everybody dies or somebody gets married of course and that's that's it man so which is what every classical yeah, school little... wants to happen to their students die or get married <laughs> absolutely absolutely 
So, uh, so anyway, man, Theater Kid, it's on Harvest House. Uh, Tip of the cap to Harvest House. They're my favorite publisher of all time to work with. They've been Baby, phenomenal. I'm working with them right now. And, they've, uh, they've been totally phenomenal. Yeah. Dude, they're great, aren't yeah, they? They're nice absolutely. people. So, uh, and the, the third project is another Harvest House project uh, that we just put the finishing touches on. I'm going to be ghostwriting a book for uh, Philadelphia Eagles tight end Zach Ertz. Wow. So, uh, this dude who plays for the Eagles, he's um, he was caught the winning touchdown in their Super Bowl last yeah, year. Yeah, Zach, one of my favorite um, dudes, maybe. for sure. Yeah, one of your favorite players, man, one of your favorite players. So uh, he's actually a great dude, really humble, and uh, he's going to be awesome to work with. So that's going to be kind of a kind of a turn and burner, man, kind of a, a, a really quick turnaround okay. here in the month of January. So uh, we'll be working on that together. But uh, but yeah, it's good, man. It's um, the Lord. The Lord has been kind, um, and I'm really grateful to be still cranking these books out and um it's hard to walk away still it's hard to say no to anything yeah, for sure uh i think it's just residual and, and i'm sure you can speak to this too but just like the the holdover from those days of being freelance and being fully like you eat what you kill you know you're just out there drifting alone in the world and every every project you get just buys you a little chunk of time totally. you know um and that's how even though i have the salary now through the college i still think of my career in in kind of those terms like i can't I can't leave anything on the table just yet. So, so that's a deal, man. Yeah, thanks. Well, baby, for that's spectacular, man. I mean, those are all good titles. I think those all play yeah. to your to your strengths too. Um, when I when yeah. I kind of think of yeah. like what it is that you do and and the kind of writing that you do, and it feels like feels like those mm-hmm. pr- those projects actually would kind of like they would like scratch a particular itch in every different kind of writing yeah. that you've done up to this point in some ways, right? Yeah, most definitely, man. And dude, honest to gosh, if I could only ever do graphic novels with Harvest House again, I would, I would, I would do that. In no kidding. So that, like that, that was the rest of my career that you've grown to love. Oh dude. So joyful. So fun. Not dependent on any other people. Like there's no interviewing. There's no, yeah, no like, research waiting around for other people. Yeah. No research. Like I can, I can just kind of let these stories fly out of my head and make them funny. And you know, there's a real scarcity in the, in the kids book world. And this is, this is actually something I've learned from my pops. Um, so pops is a, He's retired. He was a pilot. Um, he flew corporate jets, and he's been retired for a couple of years now. But one of the cool things that he does uh, there in my hometown is they've got this like after school literacy program for kids who are kind of at yeah. risk and and you know come from you know, just the kind of backgrounds where they're not getting a lot of reading input, you know, maybe in the home or whatever. But uh, he does this program, and it's amazing. And you know, one of the things he's been telling me for years, he's like, "There's no." there's no books that like young boys like to mm. read because they're all, you know, they're all these like orcs and warlocks. And, and if you're not that kind of kid, you're just not going to get into those totally. books. You know what yeah, I mean? Totally. So it's all fantasy. It's all kind of superhero stuff. And pops was just like, I wish somebody would write some, just some books about like real kids who are going to school and, you know, having funny things happen to them. And that's, that's exactly what these well, books Maybe That's are. fascinating. So, so your pops actually yeah. inspired you to write these very, like almost like these very, uh, you know, uh, I mean, these like organic in the sense that like a kid can like look at the cover and go, oh, that's me. I can identify with that. Totally, totally, totally. And and yeah, I think the emotions, the situations, there's nothing like super fantastical or made up about them. I mean, they're just things that that we go through as kids. And um, so far, they've been they've been really relatable, I think, and pretty well received. So I've, I've enjoyed it, man. That's a, that's a fun time. Well, baby, that's good to hear. I mean, I'm, I'm glad to hear that because I know that we, you know, I can attest to having written things that I, I wrote that carried, you know, a, 
you know, probably some level of interest. But if, but if I look back, it, you know, it, it wasn't something that was just at the peak of what was my passion. And then, so as you get yeah, older, you, exactly. you kind of are more, um, you kind of want to do more things that really, really kind of hit that, that, that passion peak rather than stuff that yeah. you're doing just to do, even, even if it does have some level of interest. And so, man, it's good. It's yeah. good to lock yeah. into that and find out what those things are as you, as you get older so that you can, you know, cause there's only so much time. You only have so much energy. You have diminishing energy. And so everything you do, you want it to be something that you really, really are excited to get behind and, and, and spend some yeah. effort in. So that, that's good to hear. Absolutely. That's good to hear. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks. Well, baby, it's been good talking. And we are, man, we have, uh, we've gone, we've gotten probably even past our time. Even past the normal. Uh, yeah, we've gone a while. The normal happy rant time. So. Baby, time flies when it we're is. together. It's, it's like flies. we're back It's leads. like we're back at Cracker Barrel, dreaming, talking about the future, mm. talking about the things that were never going to be, but we like talking about them as they were. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, exactly. And I think one of the things that we did, which is what we do on this program every week, is we like to wander to and fro. And we like to finish mm. even our, our remote conversations where we would come together at a Cracker Barrel and talk about, you know, the dreams of two young men embarking on a cold, lonely <laughs> world. And even when That's we parted right. back in the day and we would reach the end of our destination, we would finish by mm-hmm. looking at each other in the eye and saying, Rachel, the held Evans. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. you want to better understand the Bible and give biblical answers to those who ask you about your faith? Hi, this is Perseus Poku, host of the Sound Reasoning Podcast Show. Listen to us weekly as we bring the truth often found in the ivory towers of seminary down to the steeple towers of the local church. Join me along with many of the nation's top theologians as we offer answers to life tough questions from an apologetic perspective. Subscribe to the show at lifeaudio.com.